0: Welcome to Kava and Kettlebells, where we talk about kava, fitness, and life. Let's get Kava fine.
1: Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Kava and Kettlebells. This is Charles.
0: Hey, guys. This is Heidi. Thank you so much for tuning in again. If you haven't already, please rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at kava underscore kettlebells. Share with your friends and family and really help us get this message out. All right, so on today's episode, we will be talking to Dr. Megan Johnson-McCullough. She's the owner of Everybody's Fit in Oceanside, California. She also has an app called FitPace for those in addiction recovery. She has written eight books, and she will be going to France soon to represent the U.S. in natural bodybuilding. So, Megan, welcome. Thank you for both having me today. Yeah, we're super excited to to just get talking, and um, we'd love for you to just sort of start out with a history of, you know, what got you into fitness, what got you into personal training, and we can just kind of go from there.
2: Sure. So I've been athletic my entire life. I got a basketball scholarship and played in college. And then after that, I wanted to do the PE teacher high school basketball coach route. So I got my master's in physical education and health science and my teaching credential. And as it turns out, getting a PE job was very difficult and they cut health from the curriculum. So life took me on a different route. And I was literally working out at a local corporate gym, was recruited right off the floor, and just became a personal trainer. So another way of helping people um, athletically and reach their goals, just not as a PE teacher, but as a personal trainer. And from there, I worked at local gyms for a while, and then I decided that with a master's degree i think i could do a little bit more and so i took a plunge and now 11 years ago i opened my own fitness studio in oceanside california called everybody's fit and there i offer small group training as well as one-on-one training mainly for um, the general population weight loss lifestyle management um, as well as um really the senior population and specifically those in addiction recovery so i have some niche types of clients that i like to work with and more of the medical fitness side of things
1: so that's awesome um and i do really want to hit more sort of on like the addiction side and and addiction piece um does that kind of come from uh like sort of like a a, a personal like story with that why you want to focus on that yes
2: so uh my mother was an alcoholic and when i was 21 right after college um i came home and unfortunately i went upstairs and she was no longer with us anymore so oh, it's a geez. very traumatic experience yeah. that i had
1: i'm sorry and about
2: that from that and it being mother's day too so it's very special that i get to be on here um from that i really wanted to combine my passion for exercise and health with helping those in the addiction recovery population because my mom tried everything inpatient, outpatient, um, group meetings, cognitive behavioral, but she needed something else to complement it to really find her why to get up out of bed every day, to have something to make her feel good about herself. And um, I wish at that time, you know, in my, um, younger years, I would have been able to tell her, hey, let's go exercise, and so it just kind of transpired to combine both worlds, that I'm passionate about fitness and helping those in recovery, and that's what I chose to um, pursue my doctorate in and do my um, research study on.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that is, I'm so sorry for your loss, but I love that that, you know, you're able to have that emotional connection. I think that probably really helps you just be very truly passionate in helping your clients. Um, And I think people forget how, what a great tool fitness can be for that mental health. Do you feel like that plays a huge role with your clients?
2: Absolutely. So for anyone, we know that exercise can release positive endorphins and uh, improve body image, self-efficacy. And one of the things that when I opened... My studio I really wanted to celebrate diversity and community and that we can all be at different levels on our fitness journeys, but that everybody can become better and the best versions of themselves. No matter what, and so I really wanted to open a place that was acceptance, accepting of everyone and in that it kind of combines my philosophy with um, addiction recovery, right? That if we break down barriers and stereotypes, more people might be, be willing to reach out for help if they knew that they could find a place that offered non um, you know, support.
1: That's, um, that's very true. And, and honestly, like I mean, from, uh, you know, Heidi and I like fitness is a huge piece of our life. And we like, we talk about this every day, how, um, especially here in America, you know, with the, um, health crisis, I would say when it comes to not only um, like, you know, physical, like obesity going up, even among kids, but the mental health crisis and how many people, if they just found fitness, if they, you know, started working out, um, started eating good food, just how much in, in general they would feel better. Uh, if you could actually, I, I'm kind of curious, like, do you want to spotlight maybe like a couple of, like clients that you have and maybe some like success stories, uh, kind of like in that realm?
2: Certainly, yes. So um, to kind of play on what you were saying with the mental health, I feel that in our medical community, we really could work with the fitness community because when a doctor um, sees a patient who's overweight, you know, might have high blood pressure or even experiencing, you know, stress, anxiety, um, one of the things is that they could suggest right exercise and and eating healthy right Right, and that's such a general broad description of what you should be doing and honestly if the person uh, probably already knows that we all know that and they would be doing it but they need guidance and direction and so exercise one of my tools that I really want to work on is exercise as a prescription for not only you know addiction recovery but mental health and um the general population i mean think about it if a person has an injury they get um they get to go to physical therapy you know for free and covered by their insurance but why can't we do the same with like a personal trainer to help them you know steer them in a better direction for their health and overall well-being so that's something i really want to work on Um, for myself at my studio um i think that i've touched a number of people In the general population, you know, I've had a client um, who was very um, just introverted, um, pushing 400 pounds, and he came and was very hesitant about the small group option, but as we know, when we work out in a group, it's the less expensive route, so he did it, and then he opened up, and he became very popular, and he lost uh, close to 140 pounds. It was very life-changing, and he really came out of his shell. And that was, you know, he became a friend of mine, too. And I, I really liked that he connected with everyone at the studio, you know, despite being the type of computer science person who really never got, you know, came out from behind the screen. And, um,
1: yeah, you know, that's COVID amazing. Came, so I
2: really hope that he's still doing well and didn't revert back to old ways. But that was a really big connection that I made with someone. I love um, Just last weekend, I had a client text me and say, you know, I'm 13 years sober today. Thank you for being part of that. And that's another touching story is that, you know, I come into people's lives at a certain point where they might be very vulnerable and desperate for help. And my goal is that we make this a lifestyle change and a commitment to help one another in a relationship that's positive and ongoing, not just, you know, you come for four weeks and it's over but that it's really a journey together. And almost, it's kind of almost mind, body, and spirit every single time. Because when you're trying to make life changes, right? Your outside relationships and your work life and all your stressors and all those inputs that come in make a difference, right, in your success. Because we can get distracted, we can find any excuse. And so I like to get to know clients so that I can help them, um, not like as a therapist or not, you know, as a best friend, but someone that can be, you can have an open and honest conversation with like while working out. I mean, that feels incredible to be able to just open up and express yourself and just release, not just physically, but mentally too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I do feel like you can probably, um, agree in a sense as a trainer, we are kind of therapists a little bit, and I do feel like it sounds like you just offer that safe space for people to just talk about things that they just desperately need to talk about, and, you know, that is so, so beneficial to just literally be able to talk to someone about the stuff going on, so for you to be able to provide that space for people is huge, and like you said, that, that judgment-free zone, when someone's going through recovery, um, I can imagine there's a lot of... Shame that they might feel with that and just feeling like they're being judged, and um, for you to provide that judgment free zone is so huge. That's crucial. Um, I love that you mentioned too about the idea that you want to get like personal trainers to be prescribed. That is amazing. I love that idea, and I'm super excited to see how you progress with that. Um, That's one thing that frustrates me so much about America is how. We are so anti-preemptive um, healthcare. Like we're just about sick care. We're not about helping people stay healthy. We're just about fixing them once they're sick. Um, so I love that. I think that's amazing. Um, and I would love to see that really flourish in in society. Um, I love that you mentioned to the community, the group aspect, um, because I feel like that is a huge proponent of the fitness culture is finding that community that you really bond with. Has that really grown at your gym, just like that community in general?
2: Yes, absolutely. And a lot of times, you know, people develop lasting friendships, but you, you notice when someone's not there. So there's also a sense of accountability with it. Sure. And you notice, um, other people's changes, right. And you compliment them and encourage them and you appreciate this, you know, the same when they do it in return. Um, and it's just nice to walk into a place and say like, wow, you're looking really good. Or when I take someone's um, progress measures, if that's something they want to do, and then, I say out loud, oh, my gosh, she lost 22 inches, you know, and everyone cheers and yells. It feels really good because you don't know what someone's support system is like once they walk out the door. You know, they might not have anyone to share that news with. And it's just nice to know that you're in an environment that everyone's trying to do the same and just become better. No matter if I'm using five pounds or you're using 25 pounds, we're still getting through this. And it feels like if you can make it through this hour, then I can make it through this hour.
0: Yeah, I love that. That is so true. You really don't know what anyone is going through on the outside. And you could be that one single nice voice that they hear that day. And so to be that, you know, don't, people should definitely not take that for granted. And that's one thing that annoys me too about the the sort of planet fitness mentality of, oh, people are so mean in the gym, they're so judgmental, because it's so not true. Like it's, probably the most supportive and friendly people that you'll meet who, like you said, they're on that journey, they're proud of you for being on that journey, and they just want to support you. Have you noticed a big difference from your experiences working in other gyms for 11 years versus, like, like that big box gym versus, like, the more studio gym that you have? Like, that culture? Sure. I mean,
2: I used to teach the group fitness classes on the corporate route, too, and, It really, even though it's a group, right? It felt like a numbers game. How many people are in a class? Right. Um, You never really necessarily, I mean, you saw the same faces and you might remember their names, but sometimes they're overcrowded, um, not consistent attendance by people. Um, It's always kind of like, you know, who gets the equipment first and everyone kind of picks like their spot or their territory. And, you know, that's something that I really didn't want to have when I opened my own studio is, you know, it's not like a 1990 steps class where you walk in and you feel completely intimidated because, you know, everyone's saying, no, I'm standing right here or they're they're getting the moves down faster than you are. It's that everyone's at their own individual pace and it doesn't matter how fast or how slow you're doing it just as long as you're doing it.
1: That makes sense. And, uh, yeah, I can understand, too, how, like, you know, the, the corporate side, it might be kind of like a numbers game versus, I mean, I'm sure right now, um, you know, having your own business and studio, it's, like, completely more personalized and, you know, kind of your own, um, you know, your baby. So, I I kind of do, uh, I kind of want to go back, because I know you specialize in this, and I'm just kind of curious, um, and you have to get, like, super in-depth with, like, actual client stories, but for those coming from... Uh, addiction to fitness how like how does that process kind of look and like how do you kind of treat that i guess like so someone's coming out of let's say you know like rehab um or they're you know maybe freshly uh sober like do you i guess i'm trying to word this right but do you see people who had prior addictions kind of replace you know one addiction with exercise which i you know i think is healthy um but like I guess, like, how does that mentality work for them, and how does that process kind of play out?
2: Okay, so one of the things that I kind of feel like God has put me in this path is that oftentimes when someone Googles me and signs up for my gym, they don't even know that I specialize in addiction recovery. So I get to talk to someone, and suddenly they say, well, I've been sober for seven years, and I'm like, okay, I attract these people into my life. It's like a calling. So not necessarily everyone who comes right away is coming to me for that very purpose, but um, once they open up and share that, it's like a whole new connection and level. Okay. Um, So it's very important to understand that exercise is a tool that complements a comprehensive treatment program. So it is not to replace um, say AA or um, NA or any type of you know cognitive behavioral or even a medication path that you're on. It is something that you use to help you sustain sobriety. So, um, in terms of having one addiction replace another, that's the key. So that one of the findings of my research was that the participants. You know without the you know i did um interviews and qu- uh, qualitative research none of them um, knew what each other were saying and they all said you know exercise is not the first thing i would go to for help but once i got in a good place then i would add exercise in and okay. that is because yes you can replace one form of addiction with another it might be you know cigarettes or caffeine but exercise is one of those behaviors and currently the American Psychological Association doesn't have a diagnosis for exercise addiction. So it's behavior, like you can become addicted to anything. You can become addicted to knitting or to right. reading because they're behaviors, right? But exercise, we might consider it as healthy, but in excess, it's we know that we're prone to injury, um, overuse, um, you can just have burnout. And that's why I created my cell phone app and my research was published in a textbook. It's called Fit Pace. So that pace is about pacing yourself and it's called proactive awareness of controlling excess. So it's giving yourself the recognition that you know when you're going down that path of, okay, more and more and more and catching yourself before it starts. And pace can apply to anything. Right. But I'm specifically focusing on exercise because you know, anyone can start out on the treadmill for 20 minutes and then in a week it's an hour. And then, you know, the next week it's two hours. That's the mind of an addict. So once you, you know, once you start uh, behaving in a way that takes away time from your relationships, um, is causing, you know, undue stress to your body, um, is affecting your work life. Um, you know, any of those things where it becomes obsessive in that way, you really want to um, get ahead of it. And I guess right now exercise is seen more as um, obsessive-compulsive disorder versus an addiction. So the the two get a little mixed up, um, but that's just because there's no current diagnosis for it.
0: Okay, that is. That's very fascinating. So I love that. So your app is designed to... Because you know they're likely to possibly push it to the extreme, the app is designed to help them pace themselves and understand where that line is so that they don't, you know, become um, dangerously, like, obsessed or addicted or... Or overtraining. Overtraining. So so that's kind of the design of the app?
2: Yes, exactly. So you log in... um, you put, you know, your general stats in and then you select your goal. So that might be weight loss or it might be strength gain or it might be a combination of the two. And then you have your workout and that's your workout and you complete it. And each each time you log in, you get to see and track your, you know, what you're doing, your pace. Right. So you get to it's going to ask you what your mood is because your mood affects right your behaviors. And then you're going to get to see, you know, how many how exercise affected your mood this week. Um, you'll get to see the number of days, you know, sober that you've maintained. And so it can be used for the general population as well. Um, but for those in recovery, it's something nice to see that image that, wow, I'm really sticking to this plan. Yeah. And I'm using exercise in a positive way to maintain my sobriety. And, you know, the ultimate goal is termination. But anyone... Uh, in recovery, is at threat for relapse every second of the day. So um, you'll always be in recovery. So that's why, um, like I said, getting ahead of the behaviors and being you know, proactive awareness of controlling excess and really being true to yourself about that um, is beneficial, not just with exercise, but in everything that you do.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love how that seems like to be just that also just constant positive affirmation too of, you know, you are one more day sober. And I do believe, I mean, this is an outside perspective, of course, but I do believe that it's so important to just have that daily reminder of like, It, it like you said, once you are sober, it doesn't end there. Like it's a constant battle every single day. So to have that daily reminder, um, that's awesome. Like I think that is such a positive thing. So that's very cool
1: yeah sure. um, it's all, I mean, as I say,
0: it's one day at a time
1: yeah i was I was gonna to ask too. so uh, I, you're the gym uh, that you have right now, um I assume like uh, you have like sort of like a consistent client base, uh, you know regulars that you see now is it kind of the same with the app? Like do you kind of work through um, like kind of like coaching style in the app or is it kind of like where anyone can download it? Uh, like how's that process look as far as using the app?
2: So it's currently where anyone can download it. Um, I released it in January, so I'm really still praying for some guidance and direction on it as to how I can get it out there and how I can make it work. Um, I created a program called Spread Your Wings. So everything um, about a butterfly kind of represents the spirit of my mother. So the books I've written all have like the butterfly theme, like biceps and butterflies and addicts flight. So they're all... Um, somehow connected to butterflies but anyways the program spread your wings includes my book includes my app and has um, journaling activities activities related to the readings um, as just a lot of reflective tools and then the exercise app um, which I really would like as something that could be referred to or prescribed but also that can be available um, to inpatient and outpatient treatment centers. And at this point in time, um, considering, you know the investment I've made in education and in making the app, I'm really just hoping that the right person finds it and that it can um, you know propel itself from there. So being, you know, and speaking with both of you, hey, maybe someone will hear it that really wants to help it take off.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, Just the idea of it sounds awesome, and, uh, you know, I think especially for, you know, those certain communities, like you said, who, you know, might be affected by addiction, uh, especially like this sounds like a a great app that they can use to kind of, you know, stay on like that path that they need to stay on, right? Um, Have sort of like that accountability too, Um, even though it might not be like an in-person coach, right?
0: But yeah, and I, right. love, I love how you said it's to complement all the other um, tools that they have. So it's not like this is their one and only thing to help them through recovery, but it's to complement everything else. And I do think that's so important that it's not just one-stop shop, you know, that you need so many different um, avenues of support and accountability um, in that sense. So, so we really, um, we're super excited to see how this progresses. And we do hope that this helps sort of, you know, spotlight that for you and, and get the word out for that. And
1: yes, thank you. I also kind of like so we've been talking training a bit. Uh, I kind of do want to shift focus because obviously you're you know very knowledgeable, um, educated, and I know yourself like you know you're um, a competitor, so you know how to nail your your diet. And uh, when you actually work with clients, uh, do you kind of like help out with their diet too, or do you kind of keep like the meal prepping, meal planning separate from the training? How does that work as far as like your own personal business?
2: So I do include the nutritional component. Um, I have, it was hard to write a couple cookbooks on Amazon um, that are about metabolism and and weight loss. So I do have the books as tools. If you're someone who really likes variety and recipes, um, it goes as in in depth as like the shopping list that you use and how to incorporate leftovers. So it's very like, just read the book and just do what it says. That's Um, awesome, I love that. (laughs) Then i've got i can also i also I offer three three versions so you can go with the book i say or do you want a general guideline just something that you could follow um so that if you went out with a you know your girlfriends to lunch you could order something very similar to that guideline and just kind of get into a better habit of making uh, healthier choices or i can say We can get down to the nitty gritty because I'm a bodybuilder. I know how to make it where you weigh and measure all of your food and (laughs) you follow that, eat the same things. And so I really ask the person, I need you to be honest about your personality. Don't make me spend a couple hours on this and you're not going to do it. Right? say, what what approach is going to work best for you? Some people thrive on structure. Tell me exactly what to do and I'll do it. That's the accountability coaching part, right? I like that. Other people, they need a little, like, they need to be able to make the freedom of choices, right? So if I say four ounces of protein, that could be chicken, fish, you know, ground turkey. They want to kind of have that control over it. And other people, it's like they just uh, they just can't eat the same thing two days in a row, and that's okay. <laughs> and they, So that's okay, too. It's a lot of work, but if you want to do that, I've got the cookbook for you. So I do include it. um, And food is the hardest part for anyone. For sure. I mean, really, when you think about it, food is a drug. And you can even become addicted to food, too. So just in the way that, you know, the food culture has been ingrained in our minds. I mean, I grew up in a place where if you ate all your food... And if you wanted seconds, you could have more. Then you got dessert, right? It's like you're earning dessert by stuffing yourself full. Right. And, (laughs) you know, unlearning some of those behaviors as an adult is difficult. Um, So even myself, like the day that I, um, you know, decide to stop doing bodybuilding, it kind of scares me because I won't know how to make choices by myself. Right. In a portion-controlled manner. I've always eaten healthy, but... If you, I mean, if you gave me a bag of almonds, I'm not going to count out 24 almonds unless I had a competition. I'm just going to eat a few, you know, a few handfuls and then probably another handful after that. And that's just, you know, because I'm hungry. All I do is work out. So um, again, food is the hardest part. You can't control what people are doing outside the four walls and you can't, you know, slap the fork away. There's a lot of tools. I mean, even some people order the meal preps and they still don't even eat it, you know? So it's like, it's so hard. And, um, but I think like, like I said, I'm just helping people become better at what they're doing. And so even if you just became, you know, even if you gave yourself a letter C grade and before you were an F, hey, that's improvement. So all we can do is try to, to get better and better every day.
0: Yeah, I love that. I always say progress, not perfection. And just the idea of helping them to, give them the education to create those choices on their own and just, yeah, expect, you know, just have them be better than they were yesterday. Not perfect. I think that's great. Um, so going back to the competition scene, um, I'd love to talk a little bit more about France that's coming up. Um, are you, are you excited about that?
2: I am super excited.
0: I fly out on
2: Wednesday and the competition is on Saturday So I'm gonna be going to, it's called La Parée. I have no idea if I'm saying that right, but it's one one hour train ride from Paris. So um, my husband and I are gonna go and I'm gonna represent USA. I'm competing in uh, three different categories and uh after the competition um get, we're gonna stay and it is bucket list for me to see like the eiffel tower sure, yeah just all all that france has to offer so i'm looking forward to that
0: what three categories are you um competing in so um there's fitness model which
2: is like it's not bikini i have a much harder athletic look yeah than bikini so that's um that's what that is it's more about like shape and symmetry and kind of um the leanness and definition so that's fitness model then I'm gonna do swimsuit which is um it's basically like same same concept but it's a one-piece suit okay and then um I'm gonna do angels which is like kind of like butterfly to me so um it feels a little bit like runway model and you get to put all
0: the jewels and the glam on and so I
1: really like that one too it's fun for me oh that's exciting no and uh I mean that sounds awesome uh I like Europe been over there um a few times and uh love my time there but um am I'm, I'm curious so like myself I've uh I've done a competition before and you know I've always kind of just like been in the bodybuilding scene I, I got a lot of friends who are competitors um uh, kind of what pick your brain again because I know you kind of dive into a lot of this research but you know, even myself. You know, I think people in bodybuilding and really in the fitness we have very interesting personalities. Um, kind of OCD, right? With our diets, with our training. Like, what? I don't know. I'm just curious. Like, what do you see within like the bodybuilding, you know, in physique fitness community as far as like personalities? Do you see like that kind of like addiction to the training, the addiction to like, you know, the I won't say dieting, but to like that you know, methodical eating, the lifestyle, uh, like what do you kind of see? And like, do you think it's, do you think there's a fine line where it's kind of like, you know, healthy versus borderline unhealthy?
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, Well, you're kind of calling me out on
1: this
2: one. you You know, I, Right. The addiction is, uh, is a disease, right? And it can yeah. be, have genetic factors, right? So in my life, I don't do anything in moderation. I'm sure when you guys looked me up and saw my website, you were like, Whoa. So that's just how I am. Um, and that's where it can be for bodybuilding with me too. Right? Like yeah. the, um, OCD or addictive nature of the training of the practicing, the posing of the, um, the eating. So all of that, especially with, so going back to how I even started my bodybuilding journey, I was just always asked by my clients, like, how come you don't do one of those? And so I kind of always avoided the topic because I thought that you had to take, you know, performance enhancing drugs. I thought that was a whole world where I was like, if I tap into that, like that's just gonna, it's like a, that's going to be a dark path for me right, yeah, because yeah, no, of the sure. way that my mind works. Right. You give me a little bit of something. I'm going to build up the tolerance and want more and more of it. And I just was like, that's, that's not what I can do. That's not right for me. And so I had a coworker, um, when I was working in the corporate gyms and he said, well, you know, there's natural bodybuilding. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, well, they actually like drug test you. So it's basically just clean eating, training hard and, um, getting up there and just you know showing the what you got and I was like okay well that sounds like something I could try and so I signed up in December of what was that like 2016 as kind of like a new year's resolution and the competition was in March and I did really well and by my second show I got my pro card and then I was just kind of I fell into it and then I fell in love with it because it helped me Really bring out that competitive athleticism that I had been missing since my basketball days. So it, I guess, it replaced the basketball addiction. (laughs) (laughs) So you
1: know,
2: like I said, you're kind of calling me out on this one.
1: But well, I I mean, like
2: there is healthy and there is unhealthy, right? And I think that oftentimes you have to understand that your stage physique is not sustainable. Y- right. Hundred yes, percent. you know, there are time periods when you need to let your body recover through food and through rest. And I've been at shows where, you know, it almost is like borderline eating disorder, the ways that, you know, people can just binge out after. And um, the term bulking can be really misused. Sure. Um, and, and just that relationship with food. Like I, I stay pretty consistent because it's a lifestyle for me in terms of my eating choices so I have a hard time letting go um you know and like having pizza or anything like that even in the off season um but I know that some people can just really kind of go from one extreme to the other um and maybe that's um I just don't think that I could put on like 20 extra pounds and then take it back off and put it back on that might you know I don't know that that's healthy either
0: Yeah. It seems like you have a really healthy relationship with it. I think um, natural bodybuilding is a totally different world than not natural bodybuilding. Um, So I think that definitely sounds like you have a healthy relationship with it. And the idea of knowing that you do need to let your body heal and recover after a show. Um, I do think a lot of people are just not informed on what it takes to really it is hard work like I don't think the average person understands what it takes and what you have to put your body through and the the discipline that it takes to prepare for a competition um and then you know the the after the post competition as well like it's not just you know you you compete and you're done you have to like you said let your body recover and heal um, so I don't think we didn't mean to call you out. It does seem like you have a good, uh, relationship I'm with i just kidding with you.
1: But, you <laughs> well, know, it's, it's
2: like,
0: you know, my face turned
2: red even though you can't see me because yeah. I'm like, oh God, you're describing <laughs> me right
1: now. <laughs> well, it's funny because like, I mean, I, that's even like calling out myself because I get very like, you know, it's hard because I get dogmatic with my diet, right? Like for me uh, like I'm, I'm very like, I, I have to eat paleo. And so for me, if there's like a day and like I eat something that's like, you know, has more than like three ingredients, I like I, I stress. and I'm like, Oh my God, that's going to like, it's, it's not, it's not natural food, you know? Or if, <laughs> like, or if we
0: have like an event or something, he's like, well, that's, I need to eat at that time. So <laughs> Yeah.
1: So, but it's, but it's hard because it's like, it's, I think it's recognizing those things and also understanding like, okay, like, um if there's a day and like i i miss a meal or i miss a training session like in the scheme of life like is that a big deal no and, right
2: like, and well i think one of the things that i've been blessed with too and that really helps me to be successful with bodybuilding is kind of like i really have established the relationship with food that it's just nourishment yeah, yeah. like i yep. don't have um I don't desire to eat things that, like, aren't on the list anymore. Um, and that's it, kind of strange, right? But that's just that's just where I'm at. Maybe I've been eating clean so long, it kind of goes to show that. And, and, and that's the thing, too, is, like, once I put something in my body that I know is processed food, it might be good going down, but it's not going to come out well. Right. And so that's, like, a deterrent 100%. for me, too.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. That's honestly um... – you know, like I, and that's I guess why I like I I eat the way I do, cause uh, I want to feel good, and I'm I'm kind of the same way. Like we look at food as, you know, you know, like if you if you have a really if you have a Ferrari, you're not going to go put shitty oil in it. You know, it's not going to perform. You know, it's the same thing with your body. Like you get one body, it's like I want to treat it. I want to give it the best fuel it can. Um, cause I, I you know we're the same way. Like you know we eat processed stuff and like we don't feel good. Um,
0: and I do think the more, um, cause we used to, I'll be honest, we used to do pizza Fridays. Every Friday was pizza and ice yeah. cream and we would down it and we would enjoy it. And then we feel like shit. And I do feel like the, the longer you go without it, then your body just stops craving it. And then when you do have it, it just doesn't feel good. Yeah. It and rejects you just, it. Yeah. You don't like it. I think that's the hardest thing. Um, I'd love to hear what you think about as far as clients like clients that I work with trying to just change their relationship with the food and trying to get them to see it as fuel and nutrition and not as you know every meal needs to be this five star amazing delicious thing and like you said people who can't eat the same thing or can't eat leftovers um it's definitely a hurdle to try and get them to overcome that
2: (laughs) right and I mean just the whole like Socialization aspect of food, too. Like, right. I'm in a place where yes. I don't care if I bring my Tupperware or my Zip- yeah. Ziploc bag. You know what I mean? But I do understand that, you know, certain people, um, they're, they're, maybe they're more able to than I am to say yes to things. Like, if a co worker says, hey, let's go grab this for lunch, like, I would say no. I wouldn't even second guess it. But um, I guess. That's why bodybuilding can be a little bit isolating, too. But I, I'm in a place, too, where it's like, okay, let's go. But then I, like, bring my own. my own, And I'm okay with that. Um, I think that wrapping your head around um, kind of, like, owning your healthy choices can be difficult. Um, because sometimes we get into a place where people just say, oh, just come on, just this one time. Or I always hear, well, you can eat anything you want, Megan. It's not going to hurt you. Right. But that's not that's not true to me i mean even from the way my skin looks you know i like eating healthy because i like what it does for me i think it also improves my mental health and um just my entire performance each and every day because i have long days um so i think that food i mean the whole, like, think about how all these gastrointestinal disorders that people have now, it is all because of food and what's put in it now. Yeah. Um, and your 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 gut is your second brain. You know, your serotonin is in your belly. So I guess I understand how important food is, but I know that other people get satisfaction and pleasure um, and see food as an expression of love or a quality time together or family and togetherness, but that's not... I don't think that has to be the case all
0: the time. Yeah, I think that's well said. And I think it's also really important for people to understand that you should prioritize your body and your health over other people's feelings. And I think that people feel, like, feel bad. Like, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. It's like, who cares? Like, it's your body. Like, you shouldn't. Hurt your body because you're afraid of hurting someone's feelings. You need to prioritize your body and your health. Um, and we say on our on our podcast too, like we're very big. We don't drink alcohol, and um, we always feel like we have to defend and you know explain like why we don't drink alcohol. And you shouldn't have to defend your reasons to to eat healthy or to not you know partake in something. Um, and you can do it respectfully. You can still hang out with those people. You just don't have to eat the same things. That's okay. Um, but I do think people get offended or people worry about offending people. So I think that needs to be something that society needs to just work on too, is like, for example, our kids, like we don't let our kids eat crazy, um, junky stuff. And they're always like, we're always at events and they're like, Oh, just let your kids have it. Just let them have it. And I'm like, no, (laughs) you can let your kids have it. That's fine. I don't care, but I'm not going to let my kids have it. And I shouldn't have to like justify why. But um, but that's OK. Like you said, you know, people just have different. I, I agree, too. I mean, I, I haven't had any alcohol since,
2: gosh, like I think 2004, like my college days, um, just because I have, you know, the addictive nature. And as soon as I mean, I just didn't even have a off button when it came to alcohol. So I, I had to stop. I had to get ahead of that. Um, but I don't mind being in places and being around people consuming it. That doesn't bother me at all. Um, and I think that, some, I think that, like I say, the peer pressure in society and wanting to be accepted um, has a lot to do with your self-esteem and um, sometimes your acceptance of yourself and your, your body image and all of that, that we can try to hide some of our character defects um, by trying to fit in and things that we really don't even want to do. Like, some people, you get into a spot where it's, like, they don't even want to have a drink, but they feel like they should just to do what the person next to them is doing.
1: Well, that, too, but, like, uh, man, alcohol is, like, so socially ingrained. It's So, like, everything from advertisements to media to, you know, there's a celebration, like, it's pushed, like, it's such a societal norm to where, like, yeah, if you don't drink, like, people automatically assume, like oh, like, you're pregnant, or, like, you just, you're, you know, came out of rehab, or you're super religious, right? Versus, like, if you're say like, no, I'm just taking care of my body, people are, like, oh, well, like, kind of like what you said, like, oh, you can handle one beer, you can handle one drink, and it's, like, well, no, I'm I'm training tomorrow morning, or, like, I, I want to feel good, like, I, I don't want this alcohol on me.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, and, um, Like just last week, I kind of had a client victory with someone who um, they were going to go to um, an AA meeting together and she was going to take her sponsee with her. And her sponsee said, hey, do you want to go grab dinner before? And she was like you know what, I'm going to have to say no, because I'm really trying to eat healthy. And I don't want to put myself in a spot where I know I'm going to make bad choices. So let's just meet up at the meeting. And I don't think that's offensive. Yeah, I think that's just being like, hey, no, we're going to spend time together at the meeting. And, and that's enough, you know, so I think you kind of have to assert yourself a little bit and doing that might at first feel kind of like aggressive or rude. But it really isn't. I don't think that saying to someone, you know, no, I'm just going to have what I already made at home and stick to that is, is you might actually influence the other person to be like, Oh, you're probably right. It's probably cheaper too. If I just stayed home.
0: So absolutely. I think that's, yeah, that's perfectly well said. And I think people, I feel like we sometimes think, um, like we're too sensitive on ourselves. Like we think that they're going to be offended, but like you said, they're not like, who cares? <laughs> yeah. And,
1: and that person actually might take like uh, you know, a tip from you and actually might change their perspective, yeah. which I think we kind of forget about too.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we would love for you, you know, as we wrap up, we would love for you to um, let our audience know where they can find you on social media. Um, remind us of, you know, your app or they can find your app and some of your books. Sure. So my Instagram handle is at Dr. Megan underscore
2: everybody's fit. And it's E V E R Y B O D Y S F I T. That was really hard for me on this diet brain right now, but I got it right. <laughs> and um, we'll,
0: we'll, we'll tag you on the post too. And so my that website can you. is
2: everybody's fit oceanside.com. Um, I have YouTube, I have, um, all the goodies. I have Facebook as well. Megan Johnson McCullough and my business is on there. Everybody's Fit. Um, you can look me up on Amazon. Megan Johnson McCullough and all my books are there. I even have a children's book on there. Um, I'm a pug lover and a pug mom, so I do have a children's book that um, released not too long ago, and it's called Nelly Pug Grows Muscles. So it's about a pug who becomes a bodybuilder, and it teaches. Um, kids about nutrition and exercise and its importance. I love that. <laughs> so I've got a lot for all different audiences. Um, I'm also connected to the medical fitness network so I've written courses um, for certifications. Um, use, you can actually become certified using um, the FitPAce. Um, that cell phone app is available on Apple and in Android in and, um, the Play Store so it's just looking up fit FIT and pace. P-A-C-E, with all capitals. Um, and so, I like, I've got, you know, C-E-U courses I've written. So my website probably has all the li- the links and clicks that's best, and that's Everybody's FitOceanside.com.
0: That's awesome. So you do offer C-E-U courses as well? Mm-hmm, yep. So I've
2: written one. Well, I've written several. long time ago, i wrote written one about the keto diet before it became popular. Another <laughs> one about heart rate training. Another one about... Um, Becoming an autism fitness specialist. So, specifically working with clients who have, who have, um, who are on the autistic spectrum disorder because they are an at risk population for obesity. And then another CEU course about fit pace in and of itself.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I will definitely um, keep that in mind myself for my uh, CEUs.
1: Well, so to kind of um, um, also to wrap up a bit, just for our listeners there, our listeners are out there um, in along with anybody else who's, you know, just kind of interested. I know it's kind of like, I hate like asking like, Oh, to give like a generic, you know, sort of like closing. But if there's something you just kind of want to like, you know, give out last minute thoughts or ideas, please share tips or anything like
2: that. Sure. So I'm available to help anybody type, any level, any ability, um, virtually online or in person. Um, I, believe that one day at a time we can come become the best versions of ourselves and that i want to help people on a lifestyle journey to do so so if you're interested in really making healthy sustainable changes or even using exercise in your addiction recovery treatment i'm here to help with that Um, it's a passion of mine and i just hope that i can make a difference in as many people's lives as possible
1: well hey megan um I enjoyed this. You uh, are very, very passionate. It definitely comes out. Uh, I think you have a great um, sort of goal that you're going to have with yourself, not only like your bodybuilding, sort of your journey, but also for your clients. Uh, I think you'd be an awesome trainer. And um, I know if we're in California, I'm coming by the gym. Yeah. <laughs>
0: thank you so much for, for coming on the show. We're super excited to see how you do in France. Good luck. And we're really excited to see um, you progress on this journey, especially with all your, um, your goals and just, yeah, thank you so much. All right.
2: Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. And like I say, I hope the right person hears this and, um, that together with your help, a fit face can really take off.
0: Absolutely.